So we are starting a new series this morning, and we're going to kick off uh, with the Bible reading, which is, and I've, it's just slipped my mind who's doing the Bible reading this morning. It's Shelley. It's Shelley. Okay, thank you, Shelley. Good morning, everyone. Sorry to break up that wonderful rhubarb. <laughs> I'm going to read from um, the book of Luke. Chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Ready? Okay. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your written word this morning. Uh, That in it is revealed to us the living word, Jesus. And we pray that this morning we would come into a deeper relationship with you, our Heavenly Father, because a revelation of who Jesus is becomes more clear to us. We just commit this time to you. We thank you for this space to be able to meet and to open the word together. Lord, to reflect, to pray, to to hear what you would have to say to us. And we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears this morning to hear from you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alrighty. So uh, last week we, we had a special celebration uh, where we live streamed to a whole bunch of different churches in this area. I, I uh, hope you enjoyed it. For those who have been asking, I'm just going to put a photo up on the screen. Okay. Yes, Karen was able to clean the shirt. Um, thanks, Doug. You can take that one now. Um, for me, it was a great joy to see the body of Christ uh, come together in that way. Uh, for those who who went around, we we had uh, we yeah we we combined with a whole bunch of churches, you know, linked together by video. There was a great there was a great vibe at the picnic afterwards. Um, just meeting people from from the wider uh, church family in this region. So that, for me, that was a great joy, but if I'm honest, I, I struggled a little bit last Sunday, in, in particular during the sermon. 
Not that I thought there was anything wrong with the sermon, but I, I struggled delivering that because I felt like 90% of the responsibility was to preach to the other churches on the other side of the video camera. Um, and it was a bit the same as when we did the, the Joshua series those last couple of weeks where we, we streamed to uh, South Mandra Uniting Church for a few weeks. Um, and so I'm you know, also trying to communicate to them. And they're my brothers and sisters in Christ, in the Lord. Um, but those people in all those weeks on the, on the other side of the video camera, they're not my church family. They're not you and, and so I, I just felt last week like I'm not able to just speak to you. I'm not able to just share to you. Um, and, I, and I desired to do that, and I didn't realize that, I guess, until it, it was kind of happening. Now, that won't be the case with this series. For the next several weeks, I want to explore a theme that I am pretty sure is relevant um, and important to where a lot of you, a lot of us, in this church family, find yourself right now, uh, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. Um, if, if not, if it's not where you're, you're at, this is something that will be part of your walk with God sooner rather than later, or sooner or later. Um, this is not a sermon series to stir up your faith and uh, so that we can progress the plans of this church or cast vision or get buy-in or anything like that, although I'm really excited about some of the plans and ways that God is leading us as a church family. But this is a series about encountering God in what you're walking through, in what your family's walking through, uh, what the world is walking through in many ways right now, um, or soon will. If I've got one small regret about, I guess, the last uh, six to 12 months or, or more, it's, it's that we haven't, at least from the pulpit, really addressed uh, and talked about what's happening in the world and the tectonic shifts that are happening, not only globally, but in our lives, which it's, there's so much that has happened and is still happening. The wilderness is a significant theme in the Bible. It's, um, uh, there are three Hebrew words for wilderness, and they appear over 300 times in the Old Testament alone. Many of the people that we read about um, uh, in the Scriptures encountered a, a literal or a figurative wilderness in their lives. And I'm not sure what comes to mind for you when you think about the wilderness. Maybe in, in your mind is sort of uh, uh, the Australian desert, right? It's just sandy, it's hot, it's dry, it's barren. Uh, maybe when you hear the word wilderness, something peaceful and restful comes to mind, an area where you can get away from all the noise and away um, from all the hustle and bustle. Uh, maybe uh, what comes to mind is something cold and dark or maybe dangerous, rocky, um, there's a great little documentary series. I, I, I emailed out the uh, first of those yesterday. Um, uh, this little series about the wilderness in the Bible, and I'll share some more of those videos uh, in the coming weeks. But it looks at what the biblical writers had in mind when, really had in mind when they talked about the wilderness, which might not quite be what comes to mind for you and I, because we're not living in first century, uh, you know, Judea. Uh, vast, rugged terrain, little water, and therefore no food, uh, hardly any inhabitants or travellers, basically uh, a land that lacks everything. 
and in those days, that is not good, right? Not as much technology and ways of, of, of going about you know, survival back then as there is now. So a land that lacks everything is in no sense a good thing. Jeremiah wrote this about the wilderness. Actually, I came across this in my reading this morning. Uh, a land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives. That's how Jeremiah described the wilderness. Uh, so maybe you feel like you're in a season like that. Maybe you don't feel like you're in a season like that and things are going well right now. Uh, regardless, I think the world is in a kind of wilderness season. Um, as power shifts and as change is constant, and we're going to talk more about that another day. But the wilderness, either way, the, the wilderness is a scary place. It's a scary place. It's not a fun place. And yet, not only is it the place we can encounter God, but it's also a place we may be led into by God, despite how difficult it is. Pastor Mark says says this, Without God, wildernesses, both literal and figurative, are terrible places. But with God, they become tools in our Saviour's hands, schools of spiritual growth. So we're going to explore that a little bit over the coming weeks. Um, but before we go into uh, any number of the, the Old Testament characters, whether it's Abraham or Jeremiah or the, the Israelites uh, under the leadership of Moses, uh, there's, there's a whole range of passages we could pick from. Before we get to any of that, um, there's really no better place to start than with Jesus and his experience in the wilderness. His time in the wilderness, led into there by the Holy Spirit, helps us answer the question, why? Why the wilderness? Why, why is it this place that God, uh, and this experience that God seems to use over and over again in the lives of his people? Jesus is led out into the wilderness, and the devil comes, as we just read. And the first temptation after Jesus has been 40 days without food, without water, which, I mean, I just laugh when I read, and he was hungry. Yeah, of course. Right, And the first temptation that comes, of course, then is, turn these stones into bread, Jesus. I mean, you can do it. You know, you're really hungry. Come on, this would just, you know, you can do this. Turn these stones into bread. Jesus responds, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, what comes to mind when I read that is the, is the old chorus. Man shall not live by bread alone. Yep, you got it. And and so we remember verses like this. But Jesus is not quoting a cliche verse or a memory verse from Sunday school to help him push through the time that he's in. It's a reference to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And this passage, Deuteronomy 8, explains the why. It explains the purpose. Why would God take his people into the wilderness. Here's what God says to his people. Deuteronomy 8, 2-3. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you. 
that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. There's the reference. And so why does God take us into the wilderness sometimes to humble, to teach, and to test? For humbling, teaching, and testing. God's desire, let, let, let's be clear from the, from the outset, God's desire for us is to bless us, right? It's the promised land this, in, in this time that this passage is referring to. They're heading towards a place flowing with milk and honey, a good place, a place full of God's blessings. But being in that place with hearts oriented away from God will destroy us, not fulfill us. And God knows this. Now, most of my life I've had, um, I've had goals and ambitions and something I want to achieve or accomplish. I, I, I guess in, in part, I'm kind of wired that way. Like, I, I want to work towards this. This is the dream I have. This is the vision. And often I've got frustrated that I can't reach that goal or it's taking too long or I, have the, I don't have the resources that I need or I don't have the help and the people uh, around me that is sufficient. And, and it's taken until recently for me to realize that God's more interested in what he's doing in me than what he might do through me. And it's taken even longer to embrace that truth and to welcome it. The humbling and the teaching and the testing, like is it just all necessary so I can push through the wilderness towards the thing that I long for? Or do I want the humbling, teaching, and testing? Do I, do I welcome it? Because that's where I meet God, and he's the one I'm made for. Most of my life I've not thought this way, but I reckon God's, that God making me into the person he wants is better than me reaching some goal or destination I desire. I keep joking to Karen that next month I'm turning 35, so I'm halfway to being wise. I figure 70 is about, anyone want to, right, right, 70, that's about the age of wisdom. And, and, and I think that this is part of the wisdom that plenty of men, mentors have shared with me over the years, but was slow to sink in. God's work in you is more important than God's work through you. I think that's wisdom we need to learn. When I discover the other half of being wise, I'll let you know. What's your ambition, right? What's your, what's your dream? What's your goal? What's your, what's your heart's desire? Now, some people uh, like me are that sort of ambitious, visionary type. Maybe you have a dream for your industry or your workplace. Maybe you have kind of changed the world stuff, you know, built into you. Like, I really want to see this happen. I, I, God's got big plans for me. Um, others, you don't feel you're wired so much in that way. And, and, but still there's a deep desire. That deep desire might be about your family. It might be uh, uh, raising your kids to be healthy and kind, which is just as important as big change the world stuff. It might be to provide for your family. It might be to be like your mum and dad were for you or to not be like your mum and dad were for you. We all have an ambition uh, or, or at least a, a desire, a deep longing of some kind that drives us and motivates us. And this is what Jesus was tested on. Hey, Jesus, says the devil, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Hey, throw yourself off the mountain. Let the angels catch you. Prove yourself. God can do it. You can do it. 
And this is Jesus' destiny. God will give him, is going to give him power to do anything and authority over the whole earth, over all creation. The choice was take it now, avoiding the pain, or trust God in the suffering. And we have this choice as well. Every day, every single day, the easy path is dangled in front of us like a carrot. Right? It's grab the blessing with our own hands or cling to God whether he grants your desire or not. Do we take the shortcut towards blessing or lean on God no matter what? Now, you may go, okay, well, if that's, that's the reason for the wilderness, but you know, why, why do we need all of that? Why is it that there needs to be this humbling, this testing, this teaching in the wilderness on the way to the good things God has for us? I think Jesus' experience in the wilderness provides a hint to this. Um, Because it's easy to say, well, the reason is that we need to be formed to be more like Jesus. It's a character formation thing, which is true, of course, but I think it's something deeper. And Jesus' experience provides a hint. It highlights that there's actually a deeper, more primal fundamental desire and longing within us than the the dreams we have or the desire for our family or our personal life. There's something deep within, and God knows it. Twice when the devil tempted Jesus, he started with, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, you can do that. If you are the son of God, go do this. Now, immediately prior to the wilderness, Jesus is baptized by John, John the Baptist, And when he comes out of the water, when Jesus comes out of the water, the Spirit comes upon him like a dove, and a voice from heaven says, This is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So the the words have been spoken over him, an affirmation of his identity that he is the Son of God. Now with that affirmation, why would Jesus need a wilderness experience? Isn't that this, this beautiful picture of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit together and this Father saying, I love him, he's my man, he's my boy, he's, he's the one. right? Isn't that enough to then go into the temple and proclaim those famous words, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news, etc. Isn't it enough for him to be launched into his ministry at that point, in that beautiful moment? It's not like Jesus needed humbling, t- testing, and teaching. It's Jesus. It's not the Israelites of, of, you know, under Moses who are, who are you know, going and building golden calves and, you know, rebelling in all these different ways. They're not, he's not arrogant. He doesn't need this. So what's the deal? I think the testing in the wilderness, the questioning of his identity, if you are the Son of God, was about whether he would hold on to those words spoken over him at his baptism. And resist a desire to become or to achieve something else to be recognized and loved. Let me say that again. It was about resisting a desire to become something else, achieve something else for his love and his recognition and his calling. We think we desire to be useful or to, to, to achieve something or to become something or to, to, to see something come to pass in our lives. But the real desire inbuilt in us deep down is to hear these words. 
you are loved. And not just from anyone, of course, but from our Heavenly Father. You are loved. You are my beloved. And if you're being led into or you're in the middle of a wilderness experience right now, it might be to take you back to these words spoken over your life by your Heavenly Father. You are loved. You are my beloved child. This is the promise spoken over you at your baptism, whether your infant baptism, your adult baptism, also in a blessing thanksgiving like we had this morning. You are loved. You are a child of God. That, that you belong to God. He loves you and nothing could change that. Now, we never fully grasped this at the time of our baptism or our dedication, right? It needs to be etched onto our heart. It needs to be deeply embedded into our our psyche. God's telling you all the time, I love you. I love you. You're mine. I'm pleased with you. But sometimes it takes a season where that gets questioned, where you're tested, you're challenged, before you choose to really hold on to these words, where the pressure challenges you to really believe what God says. So I say to my boys all the time, Micah, I love you. I love you, Josiah. And you know what the response is most of the time? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We know, Dad. Yeah, you said that a hundred times. You know, Is that your response to God's expression of his love over you? I think a wilderness can change that. It's not that this makes what God wants to do through you irrelevant at all, right? Some of you feel destined by God for big big things and and you feel this call, this this passion, this dream, this burning in your bones to to change the world in some way and to change lives and to have an impact for God and to be used by by God for amazing things. And that's good. That's really good. But the wilderness did something else to Jesus. He entered the wilderness, if you remember the passage at the beginning of Luke 4, he entered the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. What we didn't read was the next verse after this, where it says, He left in the power of the Spirit. He entered the wilderness full of the Spirit. He left in the power of the Spirit. If you do desire to be used by God for significant, bold, world-changing kind of things, it's not a bad thing at all. But let God form you in the wilderness so that you're operating not just as a Christian who has the Holy Spirit, but in the power of the Spirit. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. You've, been, you've, you've got the Spirit of God in you. It doesn't mean you're operating in the power of the Spirit to do the things God might have called you to do. That takes, often that takes humbling, testing, teaching. Now, we're going to keep exploring some of this in the, in the coming weeks. I, I, today, I just wanted to give a, an introduction, I guess, to whet your appetite, to encourage you to, to, in, to engage, to reflect, to be open to the work of the Spirit, whether you're in a wilderness experience right now, whether you're sensing God draw you into one. Uh, but I chose to start with Jesus' experience, Jesus' experience in the wilderness rather than one of the other biblical characters because it highlights 
aside from what I've already said, it highlights something absolutely critical. Before we look at the lesson of any other biblical character, before we look at some of the different and unique ways God forms us in the wilderness, it's the the, um, title of this series, Ways in the Wilderness. But why this passage about Jesus' experience is so critical to the biblical narrative as a whole and so essential to our understanding of how God works in the wilderness is that Jesus did what you and I couldn't. In every other account of God's people being taken through a literal or a figurative wilderness, being humbled and tested and taught, in every other account, there's change that occurs in the people's hearts and their actions and their, 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 um, their behaviours, but then they always end up back in the same place. They always eventually fall back into pride and hard hearts and walking away from God. Only Jesus, only Jesus walked through the wilderness attesting that he didn't really need. Only Jesus walked through that and resisted the devil, resisted ambition, resisted the shortcuts and clung to God. Where we fail, friends, he succeeded. And that's good news because now he can take us by the hand and say, come, let me bring you to the Father so you can hear his voice again. Let me remind you what he said over you at your baptism that remains true to this day. Let me give you the real desire of your heart to know God the Father. Whatever your wilderness is right now, whether it's a big thing or a small thing, whether you have lost a loved one or whether you just lost your wallet, Or in Micah's case, my son who's five, uh, you are going through the pain and the agony of having to unpack your school bag before you're allowed to play games with your brother when you get home from school. Now, I'm being serious. The point is, this is not about going, well, well, they're not going through what I'm going through. Or, well, yeah, my friend, their, their wilderness is far more serious than mine. Mine doesn't matter. That's not the point. Wherever we are at in our growth and our character formation, what God's doing in us is, is where we are at. God doesn't put more on us than we can handle or less than we can handle. But wherever you are at right now, and whether it's something that's physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, I want us to leave this morning by doing something just to know what this passage about Jesus and what he has done really means. When you close your eyes, And just for a minute, become aware of all the testing and all the challenge and all the temptations to say I've had enough and all the pain that you want to get, that you want a shortcut to get out of right now. Sit with and be present to all the stuff you've been facing. Allow yourself just for a minute not to push it aside but to experience it and to be aware of it. And this is a safe space. If you need to cry, you can cry. If you, if you need to, whatever you need to do.
all the dryness, all the fogginess, all the, the, the stuff that hurts. Just let it be there. But now with all of that stuff around you, all of that stuff facing you, I want you to picture Jesus standing there in front of you saying, I've got this. I've got this. And now just let go and let him take all of it. Father, I pray that you would, this morning, help us to let go of any sense that we've got to try and do and, 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 and walk through the challenges that we face on our own. I thank you that Jesus says to us personally, hey, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, we just give everything to you that we've been trying to carry on our own. We place it all in your hands, knowing that you're the only one who has ever really walked through the wilderness and come out the other side, having succeeded and done everything you wanted. So Jesus, we just place it all in your hands right now. Everything we sense might be coming, any storm that might be brewing. Anything that's in a previous season, even if we're in a season of joy right now, anything that's in a previous season that we still feel a sense of failure about, we give that to you also, Jesus. And we let go. Now the music team...